Today we're going to continue in the area of stewardship. But we're going to tackle a a tougher topic. We're going to tackle a topic that people typically don't want to discuss. They'll they'll say, Chris, I'm not comfortable in that area. I'm not comfortable talking about stewardship as it relates to my treasure. Years ago, I heard my pastor speak and preach on comfortable. And so I want to share it with you because I I don't know where, where you are, but we all have things that that we prefer, we're comfortable talking about. And when we hear that word, think about where, where are you comfortable? What, what place do you think of when, when you're being comfortable? Here at Hobson, I mean, think about that. Where, where is comfortable for you? 95th, think about where's comfortable for you? I can remember thinking when my pastor mentioned comfortable, I thought, well, for me, I guess comfortable would be sitting on the couch with my kids and my wife just hanging out together. Or maybe it's on the beach, right, with the wind blowing through my hair. (laughs) I had hair then. Stop that. Okay. But comfortable. Where are you comfortable? He asked us the question, and he made this statement, and it got extremely quiet. And you all know the movie The Matrix, right, where you had all the numbers kind of going through your head and weaving through. And so he asked us this, and I thought about it, and it literally got quiet. He asked me, he said, where, where, where are we comfortable? We get so worried about being comfortable that we forget that we're called to be effective. We're so concerned with comfort. And he asked us this question, and it got extremely quiet. He said, was it comfortable for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to be on that cross? Was that comfortable? You all, as I think about it, I get goosebumps now and could cry because I know it wasn't comfortable. He was beaten, he was spit on, ridiculed, cut, bleeding, and he knew who he was. No, that wasn't comfortable. And so now for me, as I walk through life and things come up and things that are challenging or things that that come at me that aren't, that are difficult and sometimes can weigh heavily on my heart, I make a decision that I'm not called to be comfortable. I'm called to be effective. So as we talk about treasure, I want you to be honest with yourself and really be clear about this and make sure that you get it right. And remember the three kind of the the equation we're working with in this series of stewardship and our head, our heart, and our hands. I want you to be clear about it because confusion here is leading to the demise of a lot of people, the demise of a lot of marriages, the demise of a lot of relationships. And so we have to be clear about this. My treasure, I want to have an understanding very clear in my head, I want to understand it, in my heart so I can live it, and in my hand so I can show it. This is very clear. And so uh, as we talk and, and look at this, my kids struggle with this area as well. They, 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 they want to use incorrect pronouns. H- have you all ever had a pronoun problem where you say I and my? Especially if you're married, you got to be careful there. Because pronoun problems will get you in trouble. And I think just for Christians, I think the same holds true that our pronouns can get us in trouble. 
it can throw us off and discombobulate us as it relates to our head, our heart, and our hands. My boys were, I've got three young boys. They're nine, seven, and six. So I do need you to pray for me, okay? This gray in the beard is a souvenir. I'm surviving, so pray for me. But those two, three, two boys, my two oldest, were arguing. See, one had a robot and the other one had a toy truck. And they were arguing because they each wanted what the other person had. They wanted it all. And you could hear them. They were saying, well, that's, that's mine. And I heard the other one say, well, that one's mine. And I want mine and mine. And I sat there and I listened to this and it was almost like a tennis match. I let it go on for a little while because I wanted them to kind of fix it. But they weren't going to fix it. They were too caught up in pronoun problems, too caught up in what they wanted. And so I went and I told them and I explained to them that the robot, as well as the truck, it wasn't, didn't belong to either one of them. See, mommy and daddy had bought that for them to share and to use, but they didn't own it. Now, when I told them this, you all, they looked at me like I had a third eye. Okay, they were confused. Okay, and so they, it dawned on them. See, they had what I call perspective. When they realized that they didn't own it, and so they couldn't necessarily say and make somebody give it to them because they didn't pay for it. They didn't buy it. And so I realized, and I left the room, and they started to play differently. They knew their job was to share it and enjoy it. But they had to do it in the right way. I walked out of the room with my boys and went and sat down at the kitchen table. And about 10 minutes later, it dawned on me. That same lesson for them, for them to understand that they didn't own it, but it was given to them to share by their parents. That's what, that's what we did. That's why we bought that. It's the same thing with anything else that I own. I don't own it. It's not mine. God blessed me to have it. And so now as we look at this area of treasure, and I want to read the definition to you, and then I want to share a couple of scriptures with you, but the definition of treasure, the first one is wealth as it pertains to money, jewels, or precious metals, stored up or hoarded. Listen to that word, hoarded. The second version of a definition is wealth of any kind or in any form, i.e. riches. The next definition is a store of money in reserve, something of great worth or value a collection of precious things. We look at treasure, and we really have to begin to wrestle with this in the stewardship area. It's a tough topic. And again, some of you are thinking, well, Chris, I'm not comfortable. Oh, there's that word. We already talked about being comfortable. We're not worried about being comfortable. We're worried about being effective stewards of the things that the Lord has given us. So if you would, get your Bible out, because I want to point to a few scriptures I think as we're trying to get this into our head, our hearts, and our hands, we have to study. It takes work to get this in your spirit. Because if you don't, you run the risk of being worldly. You run the risk of being worried about pleasing the world instead of pleasing your Lord. And I think that's a, that's a dangerous area. And I think it takes constant care and attention when we start to talk about this. So get your Bible out. And again, if you're high tech, get your e-reader or iPad out, swoosh to it. But I want to talk about these scriptures. The first one comes from 1 John 3.17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Mm. 
I just felt convicted there. I don't know about you, but if you think about just the past week, have you seen someone or heard of someone and you didn't have pity on them? Too often times we think people need to just take care of themselves. They, they, they need to pull themselves up by the bootstrap. That's, what, that's the American way. The American way. God's way is different. God's way means we are to, to love people and to help them. And too often times it goes back to that pronoun problem, doesn't it? I, I, I'm convicted even as I speak to make sure that I don't have that kind of spirit. But having pity on them, serving them. And that, again, can be in the form of, of money. It can be in the form of prayer. It could be in the form of support. We talked about the talents, you just, the presence being with them. But finding something you can do to be able to lift. Now, hold on here, because this is words that I think we read over in the Bible and we glance over. We just glance over it. This word, brother or sister. Now, I know we're real clear about family lines and genealogy. I I was able to research and track my family back to some years ago. And if they share the same last name, that's my family. Okay, and and oftentimes family is a treasure. Hello? And, And so I tracked it back. But in the Bible, it doesn't mention Hogan's. It doesn't mention my, my, my great-grandparents' name. It says brothers and sisters. So I think we have to be careful in this area of not just necessarily putting a fence up around our family, but looking at brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a bigger family than we could ever imagine. And oh, when we get to heaven, we're going to have a family reunion. But until then, we have to start to think So the man I passed in the airport holding his sign was not what I appeared to think of as initially a homeless man. He was not a man without a home. He was a brother in Christ. Now, he was asking for money because he said he needed food. So I bought food and brought him food. Now, I served him. I don't tell you that story in bragging, but I tell you that story so we can think different. See, that's a prayer of mine. I don't want to look at my money as my money. It ain't mine. God blessed me with my skill and ability to be able to earn it. So it's God's. It's God's. It's God's. And so when we think differently, we can see brothers and sisters differently. We can act differently. And we can be smart. And pray for discernment. That's one of the things that I do. When I encounter people that have a need, one of my prayers is, Lord, help me to see how can I best help that individual. And, and, and I, I pray. And if I have that discernment, then I'm able to act. But at the end of the day, when I'm in my 80s or 90s, or my son recently told me I'm going to live to be 150, Okay, uh, I pray the boy's not right, okay? Because the idea of living with him and him cooking for me kind of scares me. So pray for me. But discernment, having clarity, be able to look differently and think about it. I think we need to slow down and quit trying to muscle stuff and we need to pray more about stuff. 
That prayer shows our willingness to listen, to subject ourselves to whatever the Lord is telling us. Because I don't know about you, but I only want to go his way. My way, my way is the dumb way. Anybody here ever done dumb? 95th, raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, I'm just playing. But done some dumb. I don't want to go my way anymore. I don't want any more pronoun problems. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want that anymore. I don't want the Lord to have to get my attention anymore. Because too often times we have to hit rock bottom before we get our attention. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I can tell you I knew the Lord on my way down, but I really got to know him in the splat as I hit that. And I realized the very thing that helped me get up from that splat was my Lord's hand. He's so patient. And I've been so stupid at times. So we think about that, our brothers and sisters. The next scripture I want to point out to you is in Luke. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I want to read that again. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Luke 16, 13. Now, I, I really want to talk about this because I think I, I myself at one point in time early on in my banking career and as I owned my own business, I loved money. I loved money. In that money, you think you get power. So I loved money. I was willing to do whatever to earn money. Is very dangerous. That mindset is very dangerous because what you end up doing is removing God from his number one seat to put money and power in that number one seat. And when you put money and power in that number one seat, then you are serving what's in the number one seat. You are willing to do whatever for that thing. Mindset-wise, you look at that and you start to realize, hold on. That, that's not what I'm supposed to be serving. That's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not supposed to, to be loving money. And money is amoral. I, I want to throw that out there. It's not inherently good or bad. It's all about the person that has it. The spirit of how it's used. And you think about that. Because we've all been there. You've heard the stories. I, I bet you've been there. You make X amount and you say, you know what? If I just made 10,000 more a year, I'd be really be able to do some stuff. I'd really be able to do more of what the Lord wants me to do. That's not true. For some people, maybe, but the majority of people, no. The problem is, is that you have the wrong mindset about possessions, treasure, money. And so even if you had more, here's what would happen you would do more of what you've already been doing. You don't have the right spirit yet. And one of the things I found out is that, I don't know if you know this or not, but God's ways are, are not man's ways. Like God's smarter than us. Hello? He's smarter than us. And he knows for some of us, getting more would just lead to more dangerous things. We hear about stuff on the, in the newspaper and on the news all the time about some celebrity, some athlete that takes a splat. 
and we're quick to condemn them. We're quick to say, you know, if I had X millions, I wouldn't lose it. Mm. If you don't have the right spirit and the right heart, and hands, head, and heart, yes, you would. Yes, you would. You may not have a big splat, but we'd all do stupid because we've all done it already. And so the mindset of it and really looking at it, it is not. Now, the love of money is dangerous. No, the love of what you can do in serving others, yes, that is a positive thing. And so as you begin to, to think about that and that service, I point you to the, the third scripture in 1 Timothy. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take hold of life that is truly life. Wow. You look at that and you think, you lay up a treasure. So I, I do need to take care of things for my family. I do need to make sure that I'm, I'm serving my family, that, that we are making sure we've got an emergency fund, right? And that I, I work to have a good foundation, especially financially. But I think we have to be careful. There's an island out there that's dangerous. It's called Deserve Island. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought to yourself, you know what, I work so hard, I deserve blank. <laughs> well, you know what, I, I worked this hard or I did this extra, so I, I deserve to buy that car. I deserve that house. I deserve. The thing about Deserve Island is this, it's real easy to get to and it's real difficult to get away from. And so that mindset uh, for you, not, not thinking you deserve, because I, I don't know about you, but if the Lord truly gave me what I deserve, whew, whew, I'm so grateful that he has a gracious heart. I'm so, so grateful he gives me another opportunity to do better. Because in my heart of hearts, in this area, especially as it comes to my children, and I need you to know something. I love my boys. I love my wife. They can't be in the place of my God. Treasure our children. It's dangerous these days because people are making the children their idols. Hello? People will do whatever and to whomever as long as they can do things for their children. You have to be careful there. That's making your children little gods, little idols. So be careful. We're always trying to have our kids have better than us. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it's not what we give them. It's what we leave in them that counts. That's the thing that matters. And so it's not. Don't stop getting wrapped up in worldly possessions as you give your kids. But you begin to leave things in them. That is a heart for Jesus a heart to serve, a heart to understand that there are, are things that they have to do. Their true treasure is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nobody can, can outweigh, outdo, or outgive him. He is that true treasure. And we look at this and we start to think, I, I, I got to be careful, you know, because our world is focused on, on us. Think about it. I ain't going to pick on Apple too much, but let's just, because I have their little stuff too. But just look at the names 
iPads, iPhones, I, me. It goes back to that pronoun problem. And so we start to let stuff take this place. And I don't know if you've ever done silly things with money. Of course you have. And we start to look at it and you run it through that pronoun problem. It's dangerous. So you've got to be able to understand that whatever you have, your job as a good steward is to manage it to the best of your ability. Don't just seek more, seek to do better than you've ever done before. Having that mindset of treasure. You need to, you, we have to be careful. Uh, Paul talks about, tells Timothy to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share. So as you look at that, and again, you've got to take care of your family. You've got to be smart. But is it necessary to work so hard to chase money for stuff that at the end of the day really doesn't matter? We have a lot of relationships that are built on fluff, and we got to be careful because it's not what you buy for someone that should make them care for you. That's what I'd call a topical relationship that is a material relationship. Do you know that there's nothing you can give God to make him love you more than he already loves you? There's nothing you can do. He's already done for you. As I talked about with my kids, with the robots and the truck, I explained to them that you can't, you can't own something that wasn't paid for. You can't. You can't own anything that hasn't been paid for. Each of us here at Hobson and all of you there at 95th have been paid for. You were paid for. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for you. You think about that that he suffered on that cross for us. The fact that I think about that and I put that through my head, I was trying to explain it to my children and they had a hard time getting it. They had a hard time truly understanding that. And I think as adults, we too can have a hard time with it. Because if you think about it, if you begin to really consider it, that he loved you that much, that much, then there's no way we can begin to allow anything to get in his space. There's nothing that can get in that number one seat. Not even family. Not money. Not cars. Not a house. And not a watch. And not a ring. And you can go on and on and on. He is the treasure. And so we've been entrusted with things to be a good steward. So be careful of pronoun problems. Be careful of saying that I and my. Uh, I, I was talking to my wife and I thought, you know, years ago I told her, I said, honey, you know, for married couples, we were trying to work with some younger couples that were about to get married. And I said, honey, you know, I, I want to teach young people, especially when they're about to get married, to speak French. I want them to think we instead of I or me. I mean, you think about that. I mean, for me and myself, I don't, I, I, as I think about my family, that my actions, my words, all represent my family. See, my family's here with me today. Now, they're not here physically, but they're with me. They're here, but they're with me. And so we begin to think about those we actions, and we begin to make action payments and make our audio match our video. And remember, we talked about that. That's when words match our actions. And so the we, that we attitude, well, here's the thing. With our money, with our resources, 
we also need to think we, meaning bigger than just you or your family. See, we already established that earlier, remember? That as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're all family. Now, here, I know they talked about they have the Children's Hunger Fund. And this is where, obviously, they're, they're filling up food, right, to be able to feed children. And we've done some things like that in our church. That's utilizing resources. That's having some pity on someone that, 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 that hasn't, doesn't have enough to eat. My kids, as they see commercials about hunger across the world and in other countries, third world countries, they, they often look at me as if to say, Daddy, is that real? See, they have a hard time understanding the difference between reality and, 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 and fake things like on TV. But they actually, they said, well, does that kid really not get enough to eat over there? And I looked at him, I realized this was a time to talk, so we had to turn off TV because we, we needed to communicate. And I said, yes, son, there are kids over there that don't have enough to eat. And I said, there are also kids right here that don't have enough to eat. The way that little boy looked at me, I'll never forget it. His heart hurt. He's so sensitive. He loves the Lord, and that boy has a heart. I can only hope to have a heart like him. But he said, what are we going to do? Daddy, my heart still hurts as I think about it. And I had to pray. I had to ask my God. I said, Father, what do we do? What do I do to help this little boy understand that, that, that there are things we're going to do? And we began to get active with things. My wife and I, we set up a budget amount of that we're going to actively do each and every month. And so my kids help with that, and they, they save up money, and they do things as well. And so it's a matter of being active with it. And I don't think it's necessarily because we took pity on anybody, but it's because we love people. And I want to be a good steward. I I want my audio and video to match. I I want to do the right things. I I want my God to know that I am obedient, that I'm willing to submit, that I don't love money like I used to. I'm not the same as I used to be. But I have a respect of it and what it can do for people when handled the right way. The verse we saw, it talked about that, that money is a tool. It can be used for good. We can use it to serve in the church as you represent missionaries that are across places or the, the children here and the f- things that they do, the, the, the children's hunger fund. There are good things we can do with it, but we have to have the right heart. And so I ask you this, uh, these questions, and again, as I, I always give you things to think about because I want you to pray about it as you get home and pray about it next week and really ask the Lord to reveal to you what can you do to, to, to get better. See, one of the things I sent out on on, on Twitter some months ago, but people really caught on with it, and I said, all it takes is one thing for improvement. It just takes one thing for improvement, and that's called a decision. All you have to do is make a decision. And so as you do that and you make a decision, now you can begin to make the audio match the video because you understand it in your head that that the money you make is not yours. The home that you live in is not yours. The car that you drive is not yours. It's all a gift. 
And so in your head, when you really begin to get that, you stop holding stuff like this. When you hold stuff like this, that's you claiming your ownership. And instead, you begin to hold things like this, that the Lord may do with it as he wishes. And I'm going to tell you something. My youngest son went into surgery a few years ago, and it was serious. I think there's two words that should never, ever go together, children and surgery. And I remember sitting there, and I prayed, and I started having pronouns of problems again. I said, Lord, my son, my son, my son, my son. <laughs> and then it dawned on me. I said, your child, your child, your child. Watch over your child. Watch over your child. I need you right now. That prayer open heart, open mind. He can do things for you. You just have to be willing to ask him. Stop trying to grin and bear it when you need to set it down and share it with somebody else that can help you go through it. Pray. And so in the guards of treasure, there are three things I want you to consider. What are some worldly things that we mistakenly put our treasure in? What are some worldly things? We have to be careful because I think if we acknowledge those things, then we can be careful not to do those things. The second one is, Stewardship is managing that which is another's. What criteria would make a good manager? What are some things, what are things you'd want to see in a manager that, that would make a good manager? Okay, and again, and, and you can think about that. I was talking with a friend of mine. They were looking for a good babysitter, and this was a big deal. I mean, you all know, you don't just decide on a babysitter, just, just flip. That's not just a quick decision. You need to know about them. Why? because you want them to take good care of your children, because you love them, you wouldn't just leave them just with anybody, that you, it helps if you know their family or somebody can give you a good reference, that they can let you know that this person is a good person. So the same criteria that we would look at if you have kids for a babysitter or if you're single, if you are letting someone else use the car that you have or stay in your home what were some criteria? What are some things you'd want to see before you allowed somebody to live in, use, or watch over those things? And then lastly, and this is an important question, if God truly owns it all, should Christians, how can Christians best utilize their resources to glorify him? Like if we get it in our head that God truly owns it all, and we get it in our heart, and we begin to hold it right, and we go, okay, I get this. Because see, when you get something in your heart, you got it. And now if your hands begin to show it, then what are ways that Christians can best glorify God with their treasure? Not glorify self. Remember, we took self down off number one seat. We took family down from number one seat. We took stuff down from the number one seat. See, they have to get out of the way so God can get back up in his seat. And he owns it all. So we pray about that. We think about that. And you say, okay, Lord, I, I truly want to turn it over to you. I truly want you to show me what can I do in my church? What can I do in my community to show you that I am obedient, I am grateful, and I'm willing to do whatever you call me to do? Pray with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name. I ask that you watch over and bless each and every person that's represented here, each family. 
I pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to understand that, that you deserve to be in the number one seat. I pray that you give us the courage and the willingness to remove anything that's in your seat so you can get back in your spot. And as that number one spot, give us the heart to be willing to do whatever you've called us to do. Give us that knowledge of understanding that our resources are not ours, they're yours, you've blessed us with it. And help our hands to show you that we are obedient, that we do love our brothers and sisters, that we do know that you are the reason that we're here. Anything and everything that we've accomplished, it's the result of your blessing. And we thank you for everything that you have done and everything that you will do for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.